Welcome to Word on the Street, a weekly podcast from Barclays where our experts help ordinary investors make sense of the latest news and events impacting the world's financial markets. In this special episode, Sarah Gresty, Head of Investments, Claire Francis, Director of Savings and Investments, and Luke Pierce, Senior Investment Strategist, share their insights, perspectives, and candid conversation on how today's announcement could affect investors and what changes may lie ahead. Welcome to another edition of Word on the Street. We are recording this on Wednesday afternoon after listening to the autumn statement. For this episode, I'm pleased to be joined by Claire Francis, Savings and Investment Director at Barclays Smart Investor, and Luke from our Asset Allocation Strategy Team, who are going to help us to make sense of the statement. So Claire, starting with you, what were the main headlines for individuals for the speech today? Well, I think, Sarah, obviously before the this, this speech, we heard that the government was planning to announce tax cuts and what that focused on was national insurance reductions. So we're going to see national insurance for employees, which is currently charged at 12%, being cut by two percentage points to 10%. And that's actually going to take effect from the 6th of January 2024. So they're not going to wait. Yeah, then usually they wait to the next tax year. But the, the Chancellor was sort of keen to emphasise that he wants to help people sooner. So that will take effect effect from January next year. There were further national insurance changes for the self-employed. So they're abolishing class two national insurance and also reducing class four national insurance payments by one percentage point from nine percent down to eight percent. So that's going to sort of save people money over the course of the year. We had seen lots of speculation in the run. Speculation? (laughs) Lots, as is always the case. And, uh, you know, we we sort of try and prepare here as to what we might see. Uh, There was lots of speculation about possible changes to inheritance tax to stamp duty. None of that came in the, in the statement. We did actually see some changes to ISAs announced though. And interestingly, they weren't included in the speech. So this is why it's important to read the detail afterwards in case you've missed anything. But we're going to see a number of changes to ISAs take effect from the next tax year, which starts on the 6th of April 2024. Now, ISAs are, for those that don't know, ISA stands for Individual Savings Accounts. Every year here in the UK, we get an ISA allowance, which enables us to put money into an ISA and any returns we make on that money is tax-free. So the current allowance is £20,000. That's going to stay. That's not changing. So the overall allowance will stay at £20,000. But what we have seen announced are some measures which should help simplify ISAs and also make them more flexible. Okay. So the one I think that will benefit most people is... A change to a rule about how many ISAs you can pay into within a tax year. So there are different types of ISAs and often this sort of complexity can put people off because they don't understand them. But you can have the main ones, a cash ISA and a stocks and shares ISA, also called an investment ISA. And at the moment, if you you can only pay into one of the same type of ISA in, in the same tax year. So you can only pay into one stocks and shares ISA in any one tax year and or one cash ISA, that's going to change. So they're removing that restriction. So it means that you can open multiple ISAs of the same type within the same tax year. You don't have to worry. The other change that's coming in is about moving money within ISAs. So at the moment, if you transfer money within a, in an ISA and it's money you've paid in in this tax year, you have to pay, move the whole amount. So say you've paid in £10,000 into a stocks and shares ISA in the current tax year and you want to move it to another provider, you have to move the full 
amount. £10,000 yeah. that you've invested, okay. From next year, that's changing. So if you wanted to just move £5,000 of it, you could. So those are things that I think can trip people up at the moment because it is a bit sort of technical sometimes and people perhaps don't fully understand the rules and can fall foul of them. So I think I think that's good news. We've also seen some other changes which add to flexibility of ISAs, but probably for most people aren't necessarily relevant. So there's a type of ISA called an innovative finance ISA, which currently allows you to invest in peer-to-peer lending. Now, that's going to be extended to include long-term asset funds and open-ended property funds. Now, for most people, most retail investors, they're not the sort of things that they can invest in. But if if they are, then obviously it's good news that you can now have them within an ISA. We're also going to be able to see um, fractional share ownerships be able to be held within an ISA. Again, most people don't invest in this way, but for those that do, the fact you can put it within an ISA and obviously benefit from tax-free returns could be appealing. So, okay. so yes, yeah, some, some good news there from, from ISAs. But hidden in the statement. So, Claire, thank yes. you for speed reading that this afternoon before joining us. Anything else that you wanted to call out? The only other thing was pensions. So they've announced, the government centres have announced a new consultation, which is look, going to look at allowing people potentially to have a sort of single pension pot for life. So at the moment, under auto-enrolment, if you've got a workplace pension, you get a new pension pot when you change jobs. So the idea here is that if even if you got a new job, you could ask your new employer to put your pension contributions into the same pension pot from your previous employer. So in theory, rather than potentially accumulating multiple different pension pots during your sort of working life, you can sort of keep the same one. Keep pension with you. So, so yeah, early days on that one. It's going to be really interesting to see how, how that one unfolds. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one. Excellent. I think we might be getting you back in to talk a little bit more about that once we know a bit more details. So thank you, Claire. Luke, moving on to you, I'm sure we all remember this time last year when there was a big reaction from the markets. How have the markets reacted today? Yes, the market reaction from UK assets has been a little bit different this time around and and much more benign, uh, which is probably a bit of a relief for many considering the events of the infamous mini budget in September last year, where the government had to effectively U-turn on a lot of the measures to help calm down markets. We are seeing sterling trade a little bit lower this afternoon versus the US dollar, uh, but that's not really to do with the budget. That's much more to do with the US jobless claims data that we had, which surprised to the downside. So fewer people filing for unemployment than expected. More, More generally, though, there is still a lot of focus from investors on the kind of broad levels of government debt around the world. And we saw a lot of this focus in the US recently. So there's definitely a bit more of a spotlight on this. Um, But as I said, the the market reaction to the UK budget has been pretty benign. If we look a little bit further back and look to the last few weeks, we have seen quite a sharp rally in UK sensitive assets. Um, Again, not really to do with the budget, but much more around global factors. Um, Nonetheless, we've seen sterling gain more than 3% in November alone versus the US dollar. It's now hovering a little bit below 125 and we're seeing the UK mid cap stocks which are far more sensitive to the domestic outlook they're outperforming their large cap peers and we're also seeing investors demand less compensation to buy UK corporate bonds today as well uh, now obviously this is the kind of nice kind of volatility that investors like um, but I do think the past few weeks really epitomized just how disorientating it has been for investors this year 
the economic narrative has, has meaningfully flipped more times this year than, than I can remember, or certainly in kind of recent memory. And I think for, for long-term investors, quite often the hard work is just trying to stick with your investing plan, whatever that looks like through thick and thin, and really trying to avoid the common behavioral traps along the way. Um, I think a lot of investing mistakes tend to happen when people's time horizons shrink. And so long-term investors really should try and do their best to keep an eye on on really just that, the long term. So, so stick with your existing investments. So Luke, the economic background of the UK is also quite different now compared to last year. Yes, the economic context is, is quite different or the economic backdrop is, is quite different in the UK versus kind of last year too. So what we're seeing generally is data in the UK and other developed market economies coming in a little bit softer than expected recently. Uh, so that's an indication that consensus forecasts are a little bit optimistic at, at the moment. But as I alluded to above, markets have actually responded very positively to this because it's meant that interest rate expectations have come down. So we've seen a little bit of relief in risk assets through that lower interest rate expectation channel. In terms of uh, UK growth forecasts, we are seeing them being nudged down for 2024 and 2025. And actually, if you look to some of the recent data in the labour market, we are seeing a little bit of softening, some slightly weaker than expected data there. That said, I do think there are some positives to look to. So while inflation is yet to come down to the Bank of England's target, it is coming down quicker than wages are. So that means that real wages, i.e. inflation, adjusted wages, they are rising in aggregate. Now, of course, that affects different people in different ways, depending on your own personal rate of inflation and any increase you know, in wages or overall compensation. But in aggregate, we're seeing consumer purchasing power heading in the right direction again. And that's a very, very different dynamic to what we were seeing in 2022. Um, so some negatives, but some positives are overall fairly balanced uh, at the moment for the UK. Excellent. So, Luke, I love that you're leaving us with a positive to end this podcast. So thank you, Claire and Luke, for joining me today. And thank you, listeners. I look forward to joining you soon for another Word on the Street. This podcast is not a personal investment recommendation. All tax rules can change in future and their effects depend on your individual circumstances, which can also change. We don't offer personal tax advice. You should obtain this independently if you are unsure. Investments can fall as well as rise in value and their past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.